Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Welcome into the first show of 2020. Nobody's going to call it 2020. I know it's like 2005. It's 2020. It's what we're going with. We have a big old argument about that. That's what sports radio is good for. We'll get to that later. Right now, got to start off with the fallout from the Alamo Bowl. As the youth season finishes with back-to-back losses for the second straight year, Kyle Whittingham, 20 wins and four losses in the regular season, 0-4 in the month of December. We will get to some of that in a moment, but first, let's hear from the Texas Longhorns as they take down the Utes, 38-10. Yeah, certainly hats off to the University of Utah. Uh, very classy organization uh, in, in our dealings with them um, throughout the whole week. Um, I, I couldn't be more impressed, and certainly you don't win 11 games uh, in the regular season uh, without being a extremely well-coached team. I've, I've got a ton of respect for Coach Whittingham and um, the way that he does things and just you know getting a chance to spend a couple different times uh, with him at length. Uh, uh, very impressive uh, coach and um, I look forward to continuing a relationship with him uh, because he's, um, he's one of the good ones out there. Uh, hats off to our fans. Wow. Uh, that that uh, certainly felt like a home game and um, I think I saw up on the scoreboard 60,000 uh, something in attendance. Uh, what a what an awesome job uh, for them to come support us. Uh, and then finally, our players. Wow, did they play hard? Uh, and uh, we knew that's what it was going to take. We knew that uh, this was probably going to be the most physical team that we played all year. Uh, and our guys rose to the occasion. You know, we were about as healthy as we've been in, in quite some time and we fresh. You guys enjoyed um, the bowl experience the entire month uh, leading up to it. They had fun with each other. They bonded um, and, uh, you know, they took care of their bodies. Uh, when it was time to work, they worked their tails off, had a great few weeks of preparation and um, couldn't be prouder of, of the way they they played tonight, not just only in execution, but in, in effort and physicality. Uh, just so impressed by them. Question for his hand front middle. Yeah, Tommy, in your, in your three seasons, you guys have always had your best success when you're imposing your will on the opponent, metaphorically punching them in the mouth until they fold. Right? You guys did it again tonight. How do you get them to do it consistently, week in, week out? 13, 14 games? Well, um, we got to be healthy. Uh, you know, we're not to the point yet where, where our depth um, is where it needs to be. Uh, we've got to develop that depth uh, to do that. And it's it's got to be a mentality that, that permeates the entire organization. And um, it can and it will. Uh, and that's my job is to make sure I don't have all the answers right now on New Year's Eve uh, as to to how to get that done. Uh, but I'm excited for the off season to to challenge these guys, you know, to understand what they're capable of when they do play that way. Um, and this was uh, an unbelievable 
learning experience for a lot of those freshmen and sophomores in that room. Um, those guys, uh, you know, we had our ups and downs uh, with that crew throughout the season, but I think throughout, not just tonight, the four hours tonight, um, but throughout the bowl preparation, I think um, the light bulb went on as to what it takes to win uh, at a championship level. And uh, I'm excited to carry over those lessons into the offseason. Chip Brown with Horns247.com in the zone in Austin. Uh, for Tom, how many practices did you end up having for this bowl game? And you know how many are allowed? I think you said you weren't going to hit the allowable or something. But uh, And then for Joseph and Malcolm defensively, just talk about you know what uh, was going on. You guys dominated the, the game, set the tone. Um, you know, were they playing you any differently, Joseph, tonight? Uh, we, we only practiced eight times. Um, I think we went uh, Friday and Saturday uh, when our coaches got off the road. And then we went um, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, gave the guys off for Christmas, and then came back um, the day after Christmas, had what would be basically a Tuesday practice. We practiced twice here and um, had family Fridays yesterday. That's not really a practice. Um, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a misnomer, but everybody thinks that you get 15. Um, just like spring ball, you get as many as, as you want, uh, is my understanding. Um, so we've got to be smart, and uh, certainly with the the early signing period, that has changed a, a lot of that dynamic. Um, with really only two weeks, and if you play in the championship game, one week uh, to wrap up, or you know, mostly wrap up a, a signing class. So it, it leaves you much less time to practice, but. It's worked out well uh, for us the last couple of years because uh, our guys are fresh and, um, you know, but we've been doing that, you know, we like to have fun during bowl prep. We really do. And uh, um, these guys have learned uh, when it's time to relax and have fun, we're going to do that and we're going to do it full tilt. Uh, but when it's time to lock in, these guys have really grown up and matured that, okay, now it's time to practice and meet and walk through and all that stuff. And these guys have, have been dialed in to do that. Um, was your question, how do we feel dominating? Yeah. For Joseph and then for Malcolm, the dominating performance on defense and, you know, what was going on out there. Um, what was going on out there was just us having fun, you know, um, and us having confidence in the defense. The defense was trying to put a lot of time into preparing this game for us, and they wanted to put us in the best position and the best situation possible. So we just trusted them. We bought in 100%, and then we went out there and executed. I think that was the um, the key thing tonight was executing. We've done a poor job. I myself have done a poor job in the past of executing. And today, I feel like we executed at a high level, and the result was was pleasing. Um, you know, I'm just so proud of proud of us and proud of this defense. Um, you know, 
with eight practices, we put in almost a whole new defense that we never ran before. And, you know, the way we brought it down, just got it down, reps after reps, you know, knowing when it's time to lock in and learn this defense. And, you know, Joe, me and Joe switching sides almost every play and um, the communication of the defense, that was big tonight. Just being able to talk, you know, those guys were in a lot of um, 12, 13, 14 personnel. Uh, they tried to play real, real physical with us, and we answered the challenge, you know, starting with uh, Keandre Coburn up front, Taquan Graham, you know, setting the point up front, doing a great job, and, you know, it made me and, jo me and Joe job easy tonight. All we had to do was set edges and uh, force the ball back to the linebackers, and um, we did that all night. And, um, the way we the way we got down this defense and the way we went out there and played with each other and for each other, um, it was something, you know, I don't forget. And, I'm just proud of all those guys in that locker room. That's all I can see. There are the Texas Longhorns post-game comments. The Utes at the podium coming up next. And Chris Camerani and PK look forward. Jake Bentley and the Utes going forward. Where does this team head next season? Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. The Utes tried to hang around for a while, but got themselves blown out in the second half in the Alamo Dome. Let's go to the post-game press conference. Kyle Whittingham and the players meeting with the media. You'll hear from uh, Zach Moss at length. He had most of the comments. Bradley and I was up there as well. Uh, Tyler Huntley came in and joined the party late. Here are the Utes after the loss in the Alamo Bowl. Very disappointing inning to a very good season. Uh, this team won 11 games and judge the entire body of work. Throughout the course of the season, uh, these things, these guys accomplished some, some very good things. Um, you know, the senior class obviously is not the way we wanted to send them out, but uh, you know, the last two football games we got outplayed, we got outcoached. And so we got to figure out our problems and go back to work. Uh, get better, improve, and continue to, to improve in all areas, but uh, does not tarnish in one one uh, one iota what the uh, senior class accomplishes. These guys have left their mark on Utah football. Third highest win total in uh, Utah football history, and keep in mind the other two win totals were in a different conference at a different time. Way, way different. This is uh, apples and oranges, what these guys did, and so... Um, as far as regular season and uh, how they handle their business. Uh, proud of each of them. Uh, we're going to have a, a lot of representation from these seniors in the combine. Uh, NFL draft, I mean, these guys are, there's, there's a lot of these guys that have a chance to, to uh, play football a long time. The rest of them that don't get that opportunity, they've all got their degrees or will have their degrees. Uh, and so, like I said, very proud of these guys. And it's a shame we didn't finish stronger. Nobody's happy in our locker room. We're all feeling uh, disappointed, but like I said, it's the time of year now where you judge everything, you take a step back, keep things in perspective, and uh, understand what you accomplished and what your deficiencies are and what you need to work on going forward. So, questions? Right. <coughs> 
Uh, Josh Newton, Salt Lake Tribune for for Coach and for Zach. Um, offensively, especially the first four or five drives, what was really going on out there that you guys couldn't seem to get any traction? Um, we just wasn't able to find a rhythm. Um, you know, we wanted to soften them in the run game and uh, you know try and uh, reduce some of that blitzing that was they were doing. They were blitzing pretty much. Uh, <coughs> 80% of the game. Um, so we tried to, you know, soften that up, but uh, we weren't able to do that. So, you know, we had some offensive woes throughout that game. Yeah, Zach hit it right on the head. We, we didn't uh, make a pay for the amount of blitzing they were doing. We, we got to pick it up, and we've got to be able to get the ball downfield and make a pay. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. And, uh, we weren't handling the pressure like we needed to. Uh, they were playing all single cut, and the, the DBs were jumping on the single cuts when we put tech long enough to get some double cuts in there and we did it. And so uh, that was really the, that was the theme of the whole evening is that we just didn't handle that pressure. Josh Perlin, KSL, Kyle, it, the whole season you were able to do really well on the offense. Is, was, like you just mentioned, the offensive line just not being able to pick up the blitzes or was there something maybe play calling wise or anything else that kind of changed that? You mean the last, this particular game? The last two games. Last two games. Well, uh, you know, we got the same, you know, plays and you know, we can make it the same. You know, we just got to, you know, play as well in the trenches in the last two games as we have. Uh, or as we did in the first, what, 12 games? We played 14 games. The first 12 games, we, we were much better in that regard. Uh, defensively, we weren't good enough to you know, lose special teams, offense, defense. There was no one phase to point your finger at. And so, and that's the coach. And we got to be better coaches. Uh, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, how much did you miss Jalen and Julian out there, especially with Sam able to do what he does? Well, certainly miss those guys, but you know, they weren't there. And the injuries are part of the game, and, and next man up. Uh, Jamie decided that uh, he needed to sit this one out. So, I mean, you got your, you're certainly going to miss you know, two of your best players, but, but uh, nobody cares. Like I said over and over, you know, the coach can sit there whining about injuries and driving nuts because nobody cares. You just got to go out and get it done. Uh, you spoke during the eight game winning streak. Obviously, every game was a championship game because you needed to win in order to win the Pac 12 South. Mm-hmm. Um, can you put your finger out all of a sudden after eight, like nine and ten were obviously hard to get or impossible? Well, not impossible. We just didn't, for whatever reason, we were never able to uh, get in a rhythm offensively the last two ball games, and, and we weren't uh, doing anything really as well defensively as we've done all year long, tackling, covering, uh, playing the run, and gap control, and just for whatever reason, the last two games of the season, we, uh, we were... Uh, Sam Parker with PSL in Salt Lake. Um, Bradley, this for you and actually for all of you guys. We'll start with you, Bradley. What will you remember about this team in, in light of the way the season ended? What What will you take with you that you'll remember most? Um, just the, the love the guys have for each other. Um, first, walk around, shake each other's hands. You know, just just goes to show you it's like. The bond is, is there. Uh, it's, it's a disappointing ending, but the guys will always uh, you know, stick together in hard times. 
Uh, Kurt Kreithorff, Salt Lake City. Devin, you're the one underclassman in this group. How does this loss leave you feeling going into next season? You just want to go out. I mean, the seniors put in so much time into this program, and whenever you're not able to go out there and finish it for them, it's, it's just a failure to do. So, I mean, obviously it hurts, but we got to come back and we got to learn from this stuff from our mistakes. But obviously you wish you know, we don't have to go because we want to go to school. For the, for the three seniors here, a lot to made about you guys leaving and, and what this team might look like next year. Can you just speak to what some of the underclassmen bring to the table and just how healthy this program is with you guys leaving at this point? Um, those guys know the blueprint. Um, you know, from the years and the work that we put in over the years, um, they know what it takes to be here, you know, going back-to-back -back championship games, um, you know, being South champions back-to-back -back years. They know the recipe, so, you know, it was different when we came in and we didn't know that recipe. So, you know, we have to learn and work through that. But now they, you know, have something they can work on, so I'm, I'm going to be excited to continue to watch the guys work. David James, KTV, and then for Zach and, and then for Tyler. When the next high school football star from Florida calls you for advice and says, what about Utah? What do you tell them? It's a great place to come in, mature as a person, you know, on and off the field. Um, you know, um, if you're really serious about your craft, you know, this is a great place to come. The coaches push you on and off the field, especially in the classroom. You know, me and all the guys up here, except for Lloyd, yet, um, are able to graduate in three and a half years, you know. Um, and that's the biggest thing, you know, we can play football for the next two years, 10 years, whatever it may be, but, you know, we always have our degree and we always have something to uh, fall back on. So a lot of guys at a lot of different schools, you know, um, coaches are really pushing that hard to go ahead and get something like this. So it's a great place to just go ahead and mature and, uh, you know, better your life. Thank you, Zach. Tyler? Just like uh, Zach said, it's, it's a place where you can be great and, um, you know, really leave your legacy and stuff like that. But, um, just telling kids from Florida um, that it's, it's okay to take a risk to uh, go across the country and um, you know try to uh, see what things that kind of did on tomorrow and um, and just yeah. Roll Florida's Associated Press, Tyler. From your perspective, what were you seeing on the field that Texas was doing defensively that just? Really didn't let y'all get going. Uh, I, I just felt like they was just playing a little bit harder than us. Um, they they stopped us on two downs, third down, fourth down. Um, that's what that's what happened. I'm going to ask all three seniors. And Tyler, I'll just start with you first of all. What did you notice after the first eight games and all of a sudden how things changed? Because obviously you had a, a lot to you put yourself in position, a lot of things to play for. Can you put your thumb on anything as you kind of look back now? That uh, I feel like we just had a great confidence in those first eight games. Um, we were just uh, focused and, um, as the year started going on, injuries and stuff that, like, 
changed our schedules and now we prepared and stuff. Uh, and I just feel like this last game, um, we took more of a vacation than really preparing for the game, and um, that really came to bite us. Those first eight games or eight game stretch, um, you know, it was, you know, you can't really put a finger on it, you know, you can't figure out what's the different words between them and the last two games we played. But, uh, you know, it was just something different about each and every guy, even the backups, you know, um, having some injuries also affected that. But um, I'm not going to sit here and make any excuses on what was the difference between this and that. But uh, it was whatever it was. So. I mean, it could be a challenge, obviously, to, to keep something going like that. Week after week after week. Yeah, I think um, we had that eight game stretch. We put on the gas pedal and we just kind of took it off towards the end. I think that's what it was uh, as far as intensity. Both sides of the ball kind of just let off on the night before. Kyle, just what did you think of the way um, um, that Gidry played? It seemed like he was defending really well, but when he would get caught in a one-on-one situation, somebody would just make a crazy catch. Yeah, good throws, good catches. Jab had good position. Got to do a little better job finding the football. He was in position and wasn't able to find the ball two or three times, and, and that's the toughest single skill in football is, is a deep ball that a DB has to find and locate and at top speed and make a play. So, and I want to kind of piggyback on, on their question, their answers to that. It would be disrespectful not to point out that Oregon and Texas are two really good football teams. And they had a lot to do with what happened in the last two games. I mean, we, we didn't play our best, but but uh, Oregon's a tremendous team, and Texas might be the best 7-5 team in the country, at least talent-wise, I guess 8-5 now, talent-wise. So got to give them credit because they played well, both those teams, and uh, executed exception well. And uh, that has a lot to do with it as well. It's not just us not doing our part. They were really good football teams to play. Okay, final question. Yeah, uh, Kyle, Texas had a lot of frustrations this year with seven and five here. Did it seem to you like they kind of played angry, you know, and wanted to unleash a lot of frustrations? Well, they were well prepared. They played hard. Um, they were well coached. I don't know if angry is the right word, but uh, they certainly played with a purpose. And, uh, and I didn't think we came out there and you know, sleepwalked. We just didn't, uh, didn't play as well as they did. So, uh, like I said, you look at their guys man for man, and think, you know, that, like I said, talent-wise, it's got to be, if not the best, one of the best uh, seven five teams in the there are the youth's postgame comments. This season is all done. 11 wins, 3 losses. Now, where do they go from here? Jake Bentley stepping in to compete at quarterback. Chris Camrani with PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now, for The Athletic, you did a piece on Jake Bentley. Is that correct? Yep. What'd you find out? Um, Nothing that, I mean, nothing earth-shattering. We, uh, we are lucky enough to have a South Carolina beat writer. Um Josh Kendall, who's covered Jake for a long time, and he did a pretty good, you know, exit feature story on when Jake decided to leave and, and transfer to Utah. But I was able to talk to, you know, folks down in uh, Opelika, Alabama, where Jake's dad worked at Auburn, which is just nearby, and just learning about how he grew up and grew up in a football family. Um, it's not hard to see why Utah was attracted to uh, getting Jake out here for obvious reasons. Andy Ludwig recruited him when he was at Vanderbilt. 
went down to Opelika and saw Jake firsthand, developed a, you know, a good recruiting relationship with Jake's parents. Um, his dad is now the tight ends coach at South Carolina. And, uh, yeah, it's not hard to see why Kyle and Andy wanted him. I mean, he's a guy with 33 career SEC starts and 55 touchdowns and probably too many interceptions, but you're playing an SEC defense every week. And anytime you throw it, that's going to happen. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how quickly <laughs> I don't want to like make an assumption that Jake is going to win the job early on. I just don't think you have, you bring in a guy with that much experience for him to sit. So I think obviously spring will be a, uh, will be wearing out a tired storyline of Jake versus Cam rising. But I think when it's all said and done, uh, Jake will go into the summer as the number one. Why didn't he want to stay in South Carolina and compete for the starting job? What was going on there? I just think he wanted to change the scenery. I think uh, it's it's kind of hard to get a true gauge when you aren't able to get a hold of the young man or too many people close to him. Like I haven't been able to yet, but it's uh, I think just the change of scenery thing. And, and Kyle Whittingham talked about this at the signing day press conference. It's quarterback is the most volatile position in terms of the portal and, and movement. And there is only one quarterback that plays per snap and, uh, Jake wanted one more shot to showcase his abilities, and I think he did all that he could in South Carolina, and I think he wanted to uh, try something else out, and he's coming out west to uh, be able to do that one more year in Salt Lake. So it was just a Ludwig factor? And one the Utes are a good program, and I guess Tyler Huntley being a senior, all those things into one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's – I'm sure Jake and his family surveyed some, some Power 5 conference teams and, you know, figured out who – gives him the best chance of playing well, what the fit is. Um, I mean, obviously Jake can throw it. He has a, has a monster arm, but obviously he wants to be part of a balanced offense, which Andy Ludwig provides. And uh, it's no no knock on the Pac-12 here, but you know the Pac-12 does not sport the kind of uh, defensive prowess that the SEC conference does. And not saying life will be easier on Jake should he win the job every weekend, but basically kind of saying that, if that makes sense. Yeah, Chris Camerani from The Athletic joining us on 97.5-1280 The Zone. Uh, we saw, and I think Andy Ludwig was very, very emphatic from spring ball on, right right from the start, you know, Tyler Huntley a lot last year running the ball, and then uh, Ludwig just basically saying that's not going to happen this year. Uh, what type of runner is Bentley? Um, I wouldn't say he's the sneaky athletic that, Justin Herbert is, but I think there is a kind of a comparison there to be made that he can extend plays with his legs if he needs to. Maybe not to the level of Cam Rising either, but he's not going to be a statue in the backfield. Um, And again, I mean, Utah loses Zach Moss, who is uh, a legendary figure in the program now, but they have a bunch of talented guys coming back who can do different things in the run game, and I just think that I I just have a hard time even looking, looking into the crystal ball. Does Utah even have a emphatic number one next year out of the backfield to compliment Jake. My guess would be you're just going to see Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore. And, um, I assume this new kid from Texas, Ty Jordan, who was a former Texas commit, will, will factor in just because of his ability um, in the speed game. So it's going to be, uh, I think, Andy, you could see Andy open it up more and throw it more next year just because of the amount of returning players that Utah has on the outside. I mean, we forget that Britton Covey hasn't played since the fourth game of the year, and by by next fall, Britain will have uh, basically an entire year off to recover from his knee, and 
Brandon Keithy's back. Everybody's back except for Damari Sipkins in, in terms of the skill position players. So Andy and Jake and Cam Rising, they'll have a, a lot to uh, deal with next year. Yeah, you know what I find interesting that, you know, they started Huntley his sophomore year. He goes seven and six and then gets better as a junior he got injured, but he still was better. And then his senior year, he turns out and has a really good season, obviously a great season. I, I'm wondering with Bentley coming in next year, do you think that that helps obviously in the short term, but do you think that stunts it if he ends up playing the whole time for the following two years because Rising could have got more experience next year and been ready for 2021 or none of yeah. that matters. You're playing to win games now. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, you can make an argument for either side. I, I think the fact that Utah has so much returning talent on the perimeter um, bodes well for a seasoned quarterback to come in and capitalize on that. Um, I mean, Cam Rising is a talent. The Utah staff loves him. There's a reason why he chose to come to Salt Lake. But the reality is he's never had a Division One snap to, in his years as a college player. And, I mean, Jake Bentley started 33 games in the SEC and started since his true freshman season. So um, I, I think the fact that Utah does have so much returning talent next year is going to play a factor in, in Jake likely winning the starting job. Now, again, that's just my opinion. Um, Cam could come in and blow the doors off and, and be the guy. I mean, you were there a couple years ago, PK. None of us really foresaw Tyler Huntley beating out Troy Williams, Troy's senior year, and that happened. Yeah. So who knows? You never really know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it makes it interesting, though, and that's what we want. We want storylines that are interesting, and this kid coming in certainly makes the spring camp more interesting, and then obviously into August makes it more interesting. And for guys like you and me, that's what we yep. live for. <laughs> so, we, so good we, for live to, we live yeah we live to annoy the coaches with the same regurgitated questions every single availability you're right all right hey thanks for joining us yes sir thanks pk there's chris camrani from the athletic with pk take the zone with you wherever you go let's go download the all-new zone sports network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Joining us now, Sarah Todd of the Deseret News is a new jazz beat writer. Sarah, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I'm glad to be with you. It's my uh, first radio show in Salt Lake City, so thank you very much. <laughs> well, you won't. It won't be the last because uh, you probably already know this, but this town and this state obsesses over the Jazz. It's a big, big deal. They are linked to the big time. I'm sure you're well aware of that, but you've only been on the job a short time. Uh, how attractive was that? for you i want to get into your background uh, in a second but how attractive was that coming to a place where you know like portland or even though i'm in san antonio right now covering the game here for the football to where you know you have the one team and as far as the professionals the big time this is really it yeah that was a really big deal to me i wanted to be somewhere where the the fan base and the market was really strong for the team that i was going to be covering 
and Utah brings that just immediately. Like you said, it's the the one big professional team that really has a high draw for the state, and I mean the fans are known for being really passionate and known for being really involved and invested in everything that goes on with the team. And I mean that's that's exactly what you want as a reporter because you want the people to be invested and involved in the things that you have to say and what you write. So that was really important to me, and I'm really really happy with the results so far. So give us a little bit about your background. Where have you been and how'd you get here? Yeah, I'm from California, from Northern California, and I uh, covered the Golden State Warriors to start out my NBA reporting career. Uh, Covered them for a few years leading up to the 2015 championship, and then I shifted gears and moved to Philadelphia, and I was the Sixers beat writer for the last couple of years, so I've seen it from both coasts and really big markets. And uh, now I'm here covering the Jazz. So you just wanted to get west, or you were dying to cover the Jazz, or both? Uh, both. I really wanted to get closer to my family. I'm from uh, a really small town called Paradise in California, which just became infamous sure. this last year oh, for being definitely. the. Yeah. yeah, for being the town that burned down during the right. campfire. So when things like that happen in life, it kind of gives you a little bit more of a perspective. And I knew that I really wanted to be closer to my family. And as that was happening and then helping them relocate this summer, I just needed to make a move. And when the jazz job became available, I knew it was a really good opportunity. Sarah Todd, new beat writer for the Deseret News covering the Jazz. I don't know how personal you want to get, but how was that situation? Because obviously the Paradise situation became national news. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it's really strange. My whole life, no one has ever known where Paradise, California is. And then all of a sudden now everybody knows. And when I say I'm from Paradise, there's always kind of like this really bummer look on their face because it's, you know, it's a tough subject. It was really hard going through it that day was really scary i was in philadelphia when it was happening and uh one of the first things to go in paradise were like cell towers and hospitals so i couldn't get a hold of anyone once i started getting a hold of family members then the last person to hear from was my dad and i didn't hear from him for four and a half hours and we knew that he was trying to get out but didn't know if he did and so longest four and a half hours of my life it was a a really hard thing just seeing my family and all my friends and their families lose everything that they had. But like I said, you gain a little bit of perspective with something like that. And so I always tell people, yeah, they lost everything, but my family made it out alive. And that's the only thing I really care about. Yeah. In the end, I guess that's what matters the most uh, rather than possessions or buildings or what have you. But uh yeah, it's a tough situation. Continue to read about that as their sports teams, from the athletic standpoint, uh, the high school gets back, tries to get back on its feet. And so I've read a number of things on that. It's a very interesting story and heartwarming and heartbreaking all rolled into one, I guess. Yeah, and I played basketball at Paradise High School. And so I, too, have read the stories coming out of that. And um, high school sports in that town is everything. There's nothing that means more to people up there. And it's it's really beautiful to see that the whole town is kind of rallying around what's left of an athletic program. And um, I'm really happy about that. So you have experience covering a couple of NBA teams in bigger markets, obviously. 
And I'm sure you were aware of the Jazz from your experience in the league. What was the perception of the franchise? Um, I guess my my biggest takeaway has been the last few years and the way that they've kind of chipped away as one of the smaller market teams coming into the national conversation and doing it slowly and deliberately. And then mostly the last couple of years, it's been, you know, keep an eye on this team, watch out because they're starting to get better. Things are looking different. Um, Obviously, they got a new arena, and so when a team does that, they're starting to get better while they also have a new playing arena. Everyone in the league starts talking about, like, oh, this this team's on the upstart. And so I've been keeping my eye on them for the last couple of years, and I think it's it's really exciting. And watching them in the playoffs, there's just so much potential, and there's so much room to get better, and you got to love that as a basketball fan, knowing that you're already in that you know year-end tournament and you've still got room to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, since you've been here, uh, I don't know how long you've been here. I assume a week or so. Is that accurate? Yeah, I got to Salt Lake on December 16th. Oh, okay. So they've already made a big trade. They've already made two, a couple of big yeah. moves. So you had, you had to hit the, hit the ground running there. Uh, what do you think of the Clarkson move? I think the Clarkson move is great. I mean, I just wrote about this last night that, you know, he's barely played three games and already made such an impact. And um, I'm a, I'm actually surprised at some of his defensive capabilities. Watching him from afar, I never really thought of him as a defensive player, but he looks really hungry and really – he looks like he's really trying. And that's, you know, half of it when it's on defense – when you look at a guy that's not good on defense, it's like, oh, he doesn't even try. If you just put in a little effort. But he's really out there trying, and he's making good reads. And I've been impressed with him on that end. And then, of course, you know, getting 20 points off the bench is no one's ever going to shake their head at that. Um, on the other side of that, getting rid of Dante Exxon, I know how much Utah fans had invested in him and how much the team had invested in him. But it just the timing of it, this was the best way to go, I think, because – there's no really good way to develop a guy when you need to really invest time with him on the court when you're a team that's trying to get as many wins as you can because then you could be developing him at the risk of getting those Ws. Sarah Todd, new jazz writer for the Deseret News, is joining us. Yeah, that's the thing about, you know, we were – I've been doing this radio show for almost 18 years now, and so we've gone through a lot of highs and lows, and there were several years where the Jazz were obviously building, and it was all about the future. And, you know, you have to go through that, particularly as a smaller market. Obviously, you just can't go out and pluck the best free agents every year and all that stuff. But the great thing about it is that they are they're out of that. And it is a win now mode and they're doing everything possible. To me, that's what sent the message is that Clarkson comes aboard. We're trying to win and we're trying to win now, particularly with the Warriors and their situation. There's an opening there. And, you know, the Lakers are good. Uh, but uh, they're fragile because they've got a 35-year-old. I think he turns 35 tomorrow or today, actually. And then, uh, you know, Anthony Davis had a little bit of an injury history. So the point I'm making is that it's win-now mode because you don't know what's going to happen. And as you handicap the West, 
right now, and you can disagree with me if you want, but because of there's a couple of teams, you know, Lakers and Clippers may have separated, but it's not like it's like the Warriors of the last few years. So any number, any one of those six teams could emerge from the West. So the Jazz have to be in that win now mode because the opportunity is there. Do you see it that way or differently? Absolutely. And, and I mean, I'm not going to be the person that sides with uh, Father Time against LeBron James. But still, I will say anybody is fallible, and that includes the Lakers and the Clippers, who are the front runners in the West and the favorites right now. That does not mean that the Jazz don't have a chance, and the West is open right now. It's open for somebody to come in and take a big step. And from the Jazz's perspective, that all looks great, and yes, they have to win now, but they also have to look at their own roster and their own ages, and right now is a really good opportunity for them. They don't want to wait a couple years and then perhaps pass up the primes of some of their players. So they have to be in that win-now situation because we're looking five years from now, this is going to be a completely different team. They might not have an opportunity to win. Like Donovan is still going to be great, and he's young, but that's not to say that everybody else will. The injuries might not happen. And so while they've got a good core and they have some pieces that can actually propel them in the playoffs, they have to be able to go for it, and you can tell that they're going. What do you make of the Conley situation? I I know that uh, Jazz fans have been pretty worried, uh, or maybe not worried is the right word, trepidatious about whether or not he is actually going to be a good fit. And I know that things have been going good lately with him out of the mix and Donovan kind of handling things. But Conley is a great player, and he always impacts things when he's on the court. And I think just like any other player, like Bojan getting used to things, the way that Royce had to get used to things, I think that it's going to take time to con- for Conley to actually integrate into this system and understand everything in the right way. And like everyone else, there's going to be ups and downs. I guarantee you that Jordan Clarkson is not going to be scoring 20 points off the bench every single night. It looks good right now. And when things don't get good, you're going to start wondering, like, why do we pick this guy up? But the, the net is going to be good. And I think that's the way it's going to be with Conley. And that's right now, I could be totally wrong, but in covering the league, I covered him in a playoff series against the Warriors when he was with Memphis. And he just does so many things, especially at that high level of competition during the postseason. And it, I think that the Jazz are going to be happy to have him once he's healthy and once he's on the floor. Sarah Todd, beat writer for the Deseret News for the Jazz. Obviously, I haven't met you, but I believe you're female. You got a female first name. You sound like a female, so I'm going to assume you're female. Uh, how is it? it uh, <laughs> how has that been for you covering this league? Is that something we've gotten past, or is it still an issue? Uh, it, it only becomes an issue when people disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's that's the first thing that like fans, people on Twitter, you know, other people, they turn to uh, to try to. Uh, use it as an insult. Um, the good news is I'm very proud to be a woman in the sports world, and uh, it's not a problem for me. If you're going to try to turn that into an insult, I'm going to tell you, hey, guess what? I'm really happy about it, so you're wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, it's been, I mean, I think like with anything where there, uh, an area of 
where you work is dominated by a certain gender, there are going to be things, there are going to be struggles, obstacles, uh, especially early on when I was younger uh, and female. It made me feel like I had to work 10 times harder to prove myself, even though I knew just as much as everyone else around me. But I think that nowadays um, I've built a reputation for myself and people know that I'm good at my job and I love the game of basketball and I know more about it than most people on the street. And so that's respected and it gives me credibility in my work. And I think that passes for almost anything. And at that point, my gender doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I've seen personally, I've witnessed that if I make a mistake, oh, well, I made a mistake. But if a woman makes a mistake, it's, oh, my gosh, you dumb female. You don't know what you're talking about. And it seems like there was more allowance for me as a male to make a mistake. And if a female made one, it was uh, more severe. The mistake could be exactly the same. But for whatever reason, if a female made it, it seems like the repercussion or the blowback was more harsh. Yeah, I'm I'm very, very careful about what I do, and I have to be that way because that is the situation, being a woman in sports media. Um, people are always shocked when, I mean, even, even people who know that that's the situation, if I show them, like, my Twitter DMs or my mentions, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, that's what you get every day. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that happens yeah. constantly all the time. Or reader emails people will email in just to tell me that like i shouldn't be doing this job because i'm a woman um you gotta have thick skin and i just let it roll off my back because i know the people that matter and the people who enjoy what i'm doing they're not the ones writing in and saying that stuff and you know for every crappy email that i get or bad word on twitter there's you know how many other people that are actually appreciating what i'm doing so that's the way i try to look at it well, Sarah, welcome to town and wish you the best and look forward to reading your stuff. You were an excellent interview and we'll have you on again. Okay. Very happy to be on and I'll talk to you next time.